It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. Surprise! It's a Tuesday edition of the unofficial 40 podcast as uh, we are going to be doing a couple uh, couple episodes this week with, uh, uh, they're calling it ESD now, Early signing day. It's not NSD. ESD, I guess, is the official ESD moniker. that's really actually NSD. That it really is NSD. Yes. NSD. It is kind of weird. Like, I was thinking about that earlier this week, uh, maybe putting something up on the front page or something. I was like, do we call this National Signing Day or is this Early National Signing Day or Early Signing Day? Well, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to uh, refer to it as. But something's happening tomorrow. <laughs> Guys are signing. Uh, yes, and uh, you know, we should probably start by uh, just the latest. Uh, we did get to go to practice last night. Um, got to see a lot of missing bodies. Um, Eddie uh, declared that we needed to jump on a plane to Vegas and bet everything we have on it, Florida State. And I, like, I think that was a little bit of an overreaction on my part. Obviously, they're going to go out know, and play the game, but they are thin at some certain areas. Like You see Marcus Stripling working inside, and it's like, oh, they definitely don't have some bodies. But that was before we knew that, like, you know, Joshua Ellison's still going to play. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of curious that some of those guys that announced they're going to enter the portal are still playing in the game. But it is what it is. Yeah. And, I mean, it's good to see guys like Braden Willis out there. Although, you know, after, at halftime, maybe he wants to just go ahead and sit it out if they're down as bad as we think they could be. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, obviously talking to Dylan Gaber last night for the first time since the end of the season. Marvin Mims since the end of the season. Some of their comments were interesting, and uh, you can go check out all the, the interviews on our YouTube page, uh, Sooner Scoop Editorial. Just look up Sooner Scoop, and you'll see both our YouTube pages there. But basically, Dylan Gabriel, noncommittal, Marvin Mims, noncommittal. But at the same time, I'm sitting there saying, but you're playing in this game. Like, I, I know if you wanted to transfer somewhere else, it probably wouldn't look all that great to sit out the game, and that's usually not what happens. Um, it's usually you sit out if you declare to, for, for the NFL draft. Uh, and it was just kind of interesting. I, I don't know how you took it, Eddie, but I kind of took Dylan's as he's just waiting for the right time to announce that he'll, he'll return. In the, in the moment, I walked away thinking, shit, he might leave. And then I watched it back. Right, and the way that me. And the way that he just answered some of the questions and he was kind of smiling. I, I, think, it it's more of a, and... I think it's more of a, I just want to make an announcement when everything's kind of settled. He yeah. doesn't want to be a distraction. Like, and I don't even know, I'm kind of of the thought, like, I don't know if he even really needs to make an announcement, but I understand that kids have brands these days and they just kind of want to just launch their own his, thing. Relaunched his DG brand. Sure. Um, it is kind of... Uh, probably wants to promote that when he makes the announcement as yeah, well. I, and I've been in Twitter wars all morning with people that are just convinced that, like, I've, I've 
kind of had it to hear with uh, people that just want to outright say that he's below average and all that kind of stuff. It just, it's so nonsensical that I saw some of that. This it's morning, just yeah. it like, come on folks. I'm not saying that like both can be true. He needs to play better. He can play better. He played below what I think a lot of people thought he was going to be this year. But at the same time, if you look still across the, big the country, newcomer like, of the year. He, I mean, it just, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. Uh, but in comparison to what, you know, Kyler Baker and Jalen were, I mean, it just, they're, he's not them. But maybe if they had better play around him. Now, I'm, and like both, everything can be true that he can be better. Sometimes when he was good, other things were bad. It's just like the offense. And, you know, we've talked about this before about like what happened with them uh, this year. It's like, well, it was a little bit of everything. And sometimes that's not the sexiest answer, but it is what it is. I, I just I almost don't want to get in this discussion. No, we did like I, mean, I don't it, it's it's but, not but a I'd discussion. Say that, I say that because I don't want to we've rehashed the season already. We know what that offense was. It was a big play offense. It was sure. an offense that uh you know tempo was its enemy and they never you know, Jeff Levy never really took control of that part of it. And but I mean you look at his numbers, you look at the production, you look at the big plays, it was all there. Was every pass perfect? No. I, I, Marvin Mims wasn't perfect at catching every pass either. Right. And right. I think everyone agrees he's the best player and he's one of the best receivers in the country and he should come back next year and prove that and, you know, be a part of you know, possibly the winning the Blitnikoff. I mean, he has that type of potential. Yeah, and I, I actually, and we talked to Marvin. He said he got his grade back yesterday. Or not, he didn't get it back yesterday, but he said that he, he had his draft grade already, yeah. And, you know, I reached out to some people and I think it's legitimately 50-50. I think that, there's some thought that he maybe wants to come back, and I think there's some thought that, uh, you know, maybe he can just move on and see what he can do at the next level. So uh, I think it's definitely somewhere down the middle as far as what Marvin Mims is going to do here moving forward. Yeah, and and but I will say this. Like, you bring Dylan Gabriel back, you bring Marvin Mims back, you get Drake Stoops back, you got Jalil Farouk back. Like, that's a pretty good – you've just got to fix your offensive line. I mean, yeah. that's – that's the only thing that's missing right now. Yeah. It, it's, it could be a very good offense next year, and I think we all agree that the defense will improve, and that's what was so weird about this year is that you did see progress on the defensive end. It just never was a consistent defensive effort sure. from beginning to end. And, you know, the other thing about, like, just the game in general, it's I think that they would have been against it a little bit if they, were, if they had all the guys that were going to not play in the game. Like, if they had Eric Gray, if they had Jalen Redmond. Yeah, it's still a really good all, team they're playing. Like Florida State had a damn good year, and when you look at these bowl games, it's usually about, you know, kind of who wants to be there. I'm not saying that Oklahoma doesn't want to be there, but this is kind of a statement game for Florida State. You're playing three hours down the road from Tallahassee. Uh, you know, Jordan Travis has had a hell of a year. They're going for double-digit wins. They're at, in a bowl game in Florida for the first time in uh, it's you know, been a, a disaster long time. in Tallahassee. Yeah, I mean, like, this is, kind of this, a, uh, this is kind of an exclamation point on their season. And so, you know, I even if OU hat was at full strength, it would be a uh, kind of an uphill battle. And I think it's even more so when you look at the guys that they're not going to have. Hi, Josh. Hi, guys. Sorry. What's going on? <laughs> we just went. We just rambled on about uh, the status of Oklahoma football for a second. Going you know, you go game. get to see 30 minutes of practice and you become an expert all of a sudden. I, I love it. I, I'm I'm interested to hear all that stuff. And I'm. I'm with Eddie. I would have taken that flight. I, I 
These feel like two teams. Like Florida State feels like a team that is pushing toward a top 10 ranking next year, and Oklahoma's just hoping to get out of the season above 500. Sure. Like I'm not, and I'm not saying like it's it's not insane to think that they could go win the game, but they're going to need a little bit of help from Florida State side. I I don't think that Oklahoma can just line up and uh, and beat them. Like sorry, I I don't. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Can I mean the question be going to be can they run the ball and can they stop the run? Yeah. I mean to me that's the two biggest things because if those get off track, it could get bad really fast. Like all of you know the guys that are going to be playing in the game and. They're, you know, they're, they're not down a whole bunch of starters. I wouldn't say that, but depth wise, and you get into, you know, a, a game in Florida, which, you know, I don't think the weather's going to be that much of a factor as far as like heat or anything like that, but they just don't have a whole lot of depth right now. Uh, you know, and they, they didn't have a whole lot of depth prior to losing somebody like a Jalen Redmond. Yeah. They had basically Jordan Kelly and Jeffrey Johnson, and then a little bit of help from you know, Coe or Ellison, yeah. and, and really Coe. I mean, so. I mean, I they got kind of screwed in being sent to the Cheez-It Bowl because you're, it's a much better bowl game, quote-unquote, but they're also playing a much better opponent. Like, Florida State's a couple breaks away from, you know, pushing to be in the top 12, which, you know, here in a couple years would get you into a college football playoff. They're a really good football team. It's yeah. It, Ke- go ahead, Josh. Kerry, just, oh, you just bring up a good point with the run game because these are two very – I mean, these are two borderline top 10 run games in college football and two very mediocre run defenses. Like they're, they're, I mean, even Florida State has been clearly better than Oklahoma, but has, you know, they're like 60th in the country. They're nowhere special uh, in that regard. So uh, to me, I mean, it, it, it kind of plays into what we've talked about a lot of times, guys. Like, can Oklahoma take their foot off the pedal do some things to control the clock, keep Jordan Travis off the field. Like there are ways Oklahoma can manage this game, sure. but they've not shown the ability to do so from a management level. You know, what is kind of funny too, though you talk like we talk about Florida state's offense and obviously Jordan Travis is really good. Uh, you know, they're going to want to be able to run the football. When you look at just total yards, just in general, how much more, do you think uh, Florida State averages than OU per game? Just yards per game, straight up. 20. Florida State averaged 475.7 yards per game and ranked 12th nationally. Oklahoma ranks 18th nationally at 472.2. So 3.5 yards. And it's just kind of crazy how we think about the Oklahoma offense, or at least I do, and I think, God, Jordan Travis had an incredible year. And then when you think about Oklahoma offensively, it's like, yeah, I mean, they were good. but And then you think of all the bad. I don't know. Maybe it's just sometimes. I will, I will say this. Every team that was ranked, Florida State lost to this year. Wake Forest, NC State, Clemson. Oh, I think there's a little bit of that. Like, I they don't think LSU. the ACC is very good. And yeah. that was a game that LSU should have won if they don't miss the extra point. Yeah. And that was early in the year. It was first game. But, you know, they well, smoked Miami, who everybody smoked. They they beat Florida, who just got beat in their bowl game. Didn't even show up. That's, that's their Florida history. didn't even show up in Florida's the bowl game. Florida's really good at that. At least Dan Mullen wasn't there to uh, <laughs> make any excuses for the uh, JV squad. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, they had a good season. But, you know, the, you look at the level of competition. You, you mentioned ACC. Clemson was a bad football team, and they lost to them at home, I think. No, yeah, that was in Tallahassee. 
Yeah, yeah. They uh, and they made it interesting. I mean, and now I want to make sure I heard you right there. I don't. I don't think I would call Clemson a bad a quarterback. Bad they had a team. they had a great defense. Yes. They had a terrible quarterback. Yes. Yeah, fa- fair enough. Fair and they enough. scored thirty four on him. Uh, and guys, I mean, it's you know, with the connection to Dabo and Brent, there's going to be the conversation next year about DJ and Dylan and Kate Klubnick and Jackson Arnold. Like, I I don't think there's any question that Dabo Swinney probably cost Clemson a trip to the playoff this year yeah. by sticking by DJ when he shouldn't have. But Dylan's uh, never been that bad and that inept no, at throwing no, the football. And, and that's and that 100%. That, that's 100% accurate. Um, but, yeah. Now, what I, I did want to say quickly, kind of to take one step back and then we can move forward with whatever, but – I, Eddie's stats are interesting because, you know, you think of Oklahoma as this big play offense. Florida State averaged more than half a yard per play more than Oklahoma did. Yeah, so, they're, they're a big play offense. They've got weapons. Yeah, yeah the the Wilson kid's going to be – that. that's going to be a matchup nightmare for OU's corners. You don't think Justin Bros is going to lock him down? Justin Bros uh, against Florida schools is not a good matchup. Or LSU schools. Uh, or LSU schools. Or Louisiana. I'd just say in general. Just or, southern area schools. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Mm-hmm. That might be the last time that we take a shot. We're not doing that. He, he doesn't deserve it. No, we're There's moving no on. We're moving on. Uh, no, but, yeah, I mean, it, look, it's – I'm not going to say it's going to be a good game. Things have to go Oklahoma's way in order, I think, for that to happen. We'll see. I mean, maybe yeah. we're overvaluing Florida State a little bit. Well, and I, I, I think that, you know, Oklahoma offensively, obviously they're not going to have Eric Gray, but, and, you know, they're not going to have Antoine Harrison. But at the same time, they, uh, Dylan Gabriel is coming off of, you know, probably his best game in a OU uniform in the Tech game. So we'll see. see. I'm, not, I'm not big on accusatory questions, Josh, that people always want to ask me to ask someone. <laughs> but should I take one for the team tomorrow in Brent Venable's press conference and, and ask a question along the lines of, how can you possibly compete in this bowl game with as many players as you're missing just to piss him off and to piss off the team? I mean, you know, if, if you become the locker room, you know, signage, I mean, do you think they send you like, you know, a gift basket, you get some Cheez-Its or something? I, mean, I don't know how I feel about a reward for you. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about being the owner of the Cleveland Indians in the major league scenario. Just in, uh, just in talking to Ethan Downs, I think it's been made emphatically clear within the OU locker room that nobody expects them to go down there and uh, even compete with Florida State. Well, but they need and, a good quote. You know, they need they need someone to, to oh, voice I, their I frustrations think that, to. I think that they know. I think that they're well aware that nobody really expects them to do much down in Orlando. Maybe really, in though, the perfect who, office theme is like, how dare you accept this Cheez-Its bid? Like, I mean, just how dare you? I do like, have, it feels like that may be the way to go. I have one question for you, Eddie, though. Who the f*** is really talking about this game in a negative or positive or, or objective format? Nobody's talking about the cheese at bowl. Uh, except, no. Except the, the only thing I can think of is they watch the stupid bowl confidence show, which is the worst trash TV that you could possibly watch where – they were like the fifth most likely – Florida State was like the fifth most likely team to win their bowl game. I'm sure that they're just making up quotes. They're probably, they'll probably clip all of this and use us. Good. That's fine. So we can do something productive with well, our lives. If, I mean, if they, if they win, I better get a, uh, you know, my own Gatorade bath. Cheese so and bath? For, 
That would be for bad. all the uh, rating systems. Do we get to count like the eighty-five to ninety listeners, or does that just count as one? Oh, oh God, what is that? He's speaking at Lynch's, oh, it is uh, memorial. memorial service. Yeah, I'm not going to shit on anybody today. No. He's probably. I mean, he has good Mike Leach stories. Yeah, I'm sure. I always. I, enjoyed I don't his even. Mike I'm, Leach I'm not even sure. I know that he does. Lincoln Riley's speaking at Mike Leach's thing. Uh, his memorial service. memorial service down in Stark. Is it in Starkville today? So Bob's supposed to be speaking as well. Oh, really? Yeah. It's kind of a who's who list of people that are speaking. I'm sure how mummy will speak. Yeah, he j- he was just on. Okay. I think he was the first guy up there. So, all right, sorry, sorry for derailing. Let's get to what we uh, originally came here for. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Signing tomorrow day. is early signing, signing day, day, national signing day. I we'll just declare it national signing day. I mean the early signing day. Nobody's going to pay attention to the next one. I mean for the most part. But Josh, I kind of find this interesting because you know with with all the stuff of the portal going on, and you have you have a, a national signing day. It's almost like you thought, okay, well most of these guys better commit, but they'll lose their spot if a transfer happens. But it seems like we're seeing a lot of the bigger names that are just kind of like. And maybe it's because of NIL, but a lot of guys are just kind of like, well, I may sign a, or it might be Friday or, you know, I'll sign before the deadline ends. It just, it seems like it's going more and more in that direction every year now. There is definitely some interesting um, delays that are happening. Um, you know, we can get into the kind of individual ones, but there, there's no question. There is a feeling that for some of these guys, there is some jockeying for position going on where guys are kind of waiting till later in the game to kind of get serious. And this, this may be what it's like. And I, you know, it, it almost forces people to re, you know, you guys were talking about ESD and NSD. It may just shove it back to February. It may be impossible to continue to do this if it grows and grows in this way with the NIL and the, the mid-December signing day while the portal's going on. They may have to make something and just say, look, you can sign in August or you can sign in February. Nothing in between. Like, because they're just, it's, I, I can't even imagine how chaotic it is for the coaches right now trying to not only juggle recruitments, but just roster numbers, trying to figure out who they have room for and who they don't. I guess in a way, though, is it better for the coaches that, I mean, for the most part, you're going to have 85, 90% of your class done by tomorrow afternoon, right? Yeah, oh yeah, at least. I mean, all 23 should sign of the current commitments. Uh, you know, then you've obviously got Peyton Bowen, Cecilia Kana, Marcus Strong, um, and then uh, a name that just won't go away in David Hicks. Um, oh. That has, well, I, I have posted a note on the board. This situation does not seem to be over. Um, I, I have had several conversations today that this, it's just not going away. And he is one of the guys I mentioned earlier that is going to wait until Friday. Um, 
and make his decision and sign then. He's informed A&M of that. Now, I want to be clear. I don't think it matters. I still expect him to go to Texas A&M. I probably will go down with that ship until I'm proven wrong. Like I, I well, when, once when you've you been burned once, yeah, you've been hurt before. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm not ready to get hurt again. So um, I, I, when you get burned, like pretty much myself and everyone else who covered David Ickes did the first go around, you're like, ah, I'm gonna just hold back on this one. So, and, and again, I don't want to present it as like I've heard something. Oh yeah, it's it, it's done. It's gonna be OU. It's not what I'm hearing. I'm just saying I'm going to struggle to take any of it seriously until OU's football account like tweets out the announcement that he's in. Like that's and even then I may be skeptical. We should come up with like a Hallmark movie for recruiting signing day. Like you know they have all the ones for Christmas. They have the one where Josh mm-hmm. goes to a small town and from the big city and you know he's a powerful <laughs> recruiting scout. Has his, falls in love with a six-man football player. Tries to tell the coaching staff they need to sign him over the five-star or something. Yeah, I, I like this. I like this. Now, I've got to buy a puppy somewhere in the middle of it. But other That'd than that, fine. I think we're really on the right track. I, like I guess Tiffany said no more dogs. She has definitely said that. But, you know, if I'm getting that Hallmark money, I'm told those actors are paid really well. I, I was reading something about that the other day, that they like they stay in the four seasons. They're really well accommodated, especially because I think they shoot those whole movies in like two weeks. Like, yeah, it's insane. The, uh, the Full House girl, uh, Cameron Bray, uh, she got like crack swiped addict. up. Was she the crack addict? No, that was uh, Joni that was the other one or whatever. Uh, she got like uh, signed up by the crazy conservative Hallmark channel. That started up. Well, there you go. Not the conservatives. Like the crazy. OAN was it CCHC? Hold on. Networks? I'm not saying conservatives are crazy, but it is like the OAN of, you know, Hallmark channels. Of Hallmark channels. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. I'm just extremist conservative. Like every every hearth has like three shotguns above well, it like it's <laughs> they, like mounted. There was a big controversy because they asked her if there any of the, the – uh, the Christmas movies would be about same-sex couples. And she said, no, we're focusing on traditional families. That's beautiful. Uh, and then she just got killed. We're going to do DEI wow. training after this. Um, okay. <laughs> All the students are walking into schools strapped with AR-15s to protect themselves from uh, school shooters. Is that... Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Jesus Kerry, uh, you took him down this road. You took him you down this road. You well, got no me, one to look I'll, at but yourself. I'll try to. I'll try to get us back. I'll try to get us back. If <laughs> if nothing else, it does say something about the relationship that Oklahoma. You know, obviously with the guys that they are going to end up signing. We talked about this on the U forty last week. But if nothing else, it shows you. You know, specifically with the Hicks situation kind of the relationship that they're trying to build with guys. And obviously, you know, I think over the last couple of years, anybody that realizes uh, with recruiting, you just can't necessarily burn bridges with people because you might have to come back and a recruit them out of the portal or continue recruiting them uh, to try to get them to sign, even after they may commit somewhere. Recruiting is a pride swallowing like monstrosity. I mean, cause there are just going to be times because again, it's not even, I mean, like you said, Eddie, it's not even just the recruitment now. Like, you don't, like, David Hicks may go to AM and in a year decide, well, that wasn't the right fit for me. 
And then he's back in the portal. Look at LJ Johnson, the, you know, the big time back from Houston um, that is now, you know, I, I know had some conversations with Oklahoma and Oklahoma didn't go out with a blaze of glory on him. They just kind of said, Hey, you know, best of luck at A&M, let him go. And now if they want him, they've got a realistic chance to land him. So that is one of the trickiest things about the, all of this, because it's almost like you don't get to have a human reaction sometimes. Like, and I will say, I, I think the one thing, especially in Oklahoma's case, that they will walk away from, the guys that they will kind of, you know, back away from. If your whole thing is NIL, you know, oh, I again, OU is playing the NIL game. Don't think for a second they're not. I think they've done a really good job over the course of this recruiting class kind of getting that scaled up and getting it going where it needs to go. But at the same time, if that's all you're talking about, the coaches are going to pass. I mean, it's as simple as that. And uh, I think they should. I mean, yes. yeah, we. it's all these years of looking at five-star busts and things like that. To me, you're just putting up the red flag like I'm a potential bust. If all I'm worried about is NIL and I'm a five-star, my thought is, well, this kid's not interested in working, you know, to become a first-round draft pick as much as he's got his hand out. And, uh, again, it's important to separate, like, a kid that, okay, I'm trying to get some value and I'm trying to, you know, maybe take care of my mom or my family or whatever. I got no problem with that. But, if again, you're right, Kerry. Like, the guy that's like, well, I don't really care about, you know, the tradition of producing guys in the NFL or anything academic or, I mean, like you have no, no conversation to have other than what's the bottom line going to look like. I'm with you. Like, and maybe that's an old school way to look at it, but I struggle to believe that that guy has got his head on to go through a summer with like a guy like Jerry Schmidt. Like, I feel like you're not going to last long anyway. And then whoever signed that check is going to be annoyed that he did. Or she, I saw you know, something, equal opportunity. I saw something. It was an article. I don't know who wrote it. Um, but, you know, it was basically an assistant coach saying uh, that, you know, just as far as all, like, the NIL stuff goes, like, it, people are going to realize that if they ran their businesses like some of these programs and boosters are, are trying to run NIL, they would all go out of business. And that's the truth. Like, you can't just throw money at something and expect great results when you don't know, you know, what the company is about, what its background is, what its, you know, finance. Like, it's not a coincidence. Look at Miami and A&M, what they did on the field this year. And they were the two teams in August that everybody was looking at and saying, look at these two take, schools. They're, they're about to take the, off. Yeah, They're going to they're gonna replace Alabama. Because I guarantee you, Alabama's playing the game, but they're not doing the, you know, highest bidder. They're not getting, they're not, sure. they're probably not, in, Saban's not interested in, because they don't have to, for one. But they also play the game at the same time. I mean, it's sure. all part of the process. You play the game, and, and I think OU is doing a good job. And I, we haven't talked about this, but, you know, the Crimson and Cream, they, they announced, you know, their final things. And I know a lot of people were disappointed. But we all know kind of how many people subscribe to Sooner Scoop and versus, like, what we didn't think they'd get that many people. Yeah. It was they a good start. A, they did a much better job than I thought that they would do. I thought that they might get, like, Four hundred, you know, twenty-five dollar a month subscribers yeah. or something like that. It was that. a good start, but it can be better, and I, I think that's and kind of the will, process of what it will be. It will once all this stuff consolidates into one entity. I agree, I agree, one hundred percent. 
but it's a good start. It's something they can show recruits and say, look, we've got our house in order with NIL, and it's only going to get better from here. Very much so. I, I think, that And that should be enough to attract the very best players. And I think that that's the most important thing is that they do have everything in order as far as what they're pushing forward, what they're doing. There's a clear vision in what they're trying to do, and I think that it's all kind of aligning really as we speak. Like as this 2023 class goes together, I think it'll only get better for 24, 25, and then on down the line. And I don't have people angry at me asking why I haven't started an NIL program. Oh, it's, I mean, I mean, I want there to be a the big 2022 one. season kind of your fault. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> but listen, it's all a work in progress right now. So anyway, but yeah, back to the point. I mean, if you're like, if David Hicks really is out there just trying to get the best deal, he's not going to sign with Oklahoma. Because agreed, not because. He, someone wouldn't give him that money, but I don't think this coaching staff would want that type of a player. And Brent said it publicly. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see what happens there. And I'm I sure. I mean, if they're, if they're able to close with, like, if dream scenario, obviously. If they closed with Hicks, Bowen, and Akana after going 6-6, six and six, I mean, my God. That's that's about Guys, as pie where, in the sky as you could possibly think. Okay, so <laughs> let's set up the Bowen thing. Like, how this is going or not going down. I know that Jackson Arnold had tweeted out something earlier today about January 12th, I think it was, that they were going to They're going to have a ceremony when they get back in school, yes. Right. But, Josh, I mean, you've, you, you've been talking about this, and Eddie, you've been talking about kind of what you're – let's just talk about Peyton Bowen and how you expect this to go down and what you're hearing right now. Well, for me, it, I, I wish that – like, you know – Somebody asked me a question like this. You're like, well, what's the most interesting way to answer this? There's not really an interesting way. I expect Peyton Bowen to wake up in the morning and sign his letter of intent, send it in wherever he may send it in from, and that'll be it. Like, I don't think there's going to be any pomp and circumstance to this. I don't expect a lot of dramatics. I think he knows what he's going to do. I think it's been done probably for a week. Um... And I, I still think it's going to be Oklahoma. Like, I, I just do. I know some Notre Dame folks are kind of, you know, believing. But I can tell you, a week ago, I had Notre Dame people telling me, well, I guess it would have been last Wednesday, so not quite a week ago. This thing was done. There were people in his family telling Notre Dame not to come. I, not to come I as far as an in-home visit? A week. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. For their in-home visit, I'm sorry, you're right, Eddie, should just preface that. For their in-home visit on, let's see, that would have been Thursday night. I was told they got a call Wednesday night saying, don't bother. Now, it got lined out. Notre Dame went in. From everything I'm told, the the in-home went fine. Uh, nothing, you know, No explosive storylines or anything like that. But I, to me, Oklahoma is the one school on his list that seems to satisfy everyone. And I think it's where Peyton wants to be. I think they're not, I, I, you know, if you were going to like, I think Peyton's number OU is number one for Peyton. I think they're number two for most of the rest of his family. And there's some disagreement about who number one is amongst those parties. So I think Oklahoma is the choice that pleases the most people most completely, I guess I would say. Would you feel differently if Jackson Arnold wasn't, sitting right there with him 
if they were on a different team, if he, if he lived across the DFW Metroplex, would it be different? That's a loaded question, I think. Is it? I mean, and maybe it's a question that is kind of stupid and shouldn't even be answered, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm, I'm just kind of I'm wondering. I'm not saying it's stupid. I'm just well, saying. Well, no, I'd like, I'd, but as I say it, maybe it is kind of stupid. I don't know that I would feel the I don't, outcome would be different. Yeah. I think my confidence in the outcome would be different. That's um, that's fair. And that that's kind of where I'm at. Like, right now, I feel like it's about 80% likely to be Oklahoma. I, that that's That's where I'm at with it. Now, maybe I'll hear something in an hour and it changes. That's just the way this game gets played, like we were talking about earlier, especially in this NIL era when things can change so dramatically so quickly. But at the same time, I just don't believe that he would lead so many people on that clearly want him at Oklahoma. Like, I mean, whether it's obviously, you know, coaches are going to be who they are and they're going to recruit and he knows, you know, he's still going to do what's best for him no matter how much he likes a coach or whatever. But you talk about Jackson Arnold, you talk about his girlfriend, you talk about some people around it. Like, sure. I I just like, and Eddie, you've talked to Peyton. Like, yeah. he's a solid kid. He's not a, he's not some jack wagon. He's not going to be a problem. Like, he is a good kid. And I just don't see him doing that. Now, I know if, you know, my counterpart on the Notre Dame podcast is probably like, he's led A or Notre Dame along this whole time. And now he signs with OU on signing day. I get it. I do. Um, it's kind of like uh, the it's kind of like the Dylan Gabriel thing. It's like there's a lot of moving pieces here that you can't just point at one thing. Like I almost feel bad for him in a way that he's being painted as this kid that is like trying to build up suspense, trying to make this big announcement. When when in reality, I think it's far from that. I there's a I, there's a part of me that just thinks that he doesn't want to mess with it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He's done nothing. He's not the guy out there tweeting like, Sooner fans who can get me over 20,000, right. you know, fought, like he's never behaved that way. And I don't care about the guys that do. I'm just saying you can't really paint him with that picture at all because he's been very low key. And at the same time, Eddie, I respect the hell out of him because he's never, he he's never shied away at this. Like while he hasn't sought the spotlight, he's never been like, Oh, I don't really want to do an interview. Like he's always talked to people. Like he's always been, and I mean, does he say a lot in those interviews? You know, it's kind of word salad sometimes, yeah. but at least he's there answering the questions and helping guys like us out rather than just like, mm, I don't want to do that. Like he's never done that either. And it, we've all seen guys and especially guys of his caliber that have done that, that have, have just kind of been like, oh no, I'm going to stay out of this and then turn to Twitter and be like, oh, where are my fans at? You know, that kind of stuff. I think. I don't care what Peyton Bowen does tomorrow. I think he's handled it really well. Yeah, and like you said, it's it's not like any of this has really come from him. It's just really mm-hmm. it's all come from people saying, I'm hearing this or I'm hearing that. So Sure. And and you know, obviously it's because he's one of the best players in the country. Like he shouldn't be punished because he's one of the best players in the country. He shouldn't have to make a decision 
or an announcement to appease people because he's so good at football. I don't know. I guess that's just kind of and the way that I feel on that. OU fans have got to accept, and I say this a lot, but I, and I'll be brief about it, but this is recruiting elite players. It's chaotic. Like, I know everybody's like, well, Alabama doesn't go through this. Hell yes, they do. They deal with this every time on these elite guys. Georgia's making a run at it, or Auburn and Hugh Freeze is trying to backdoor a five-star guy. Like, they do this all the time because nobody gives up on elite talents because you cannot replace them. You can't just find a David Hicks or a Peyton Bowen anywhere. They are special players that make you better instantaneously, and other guys want to come play with them. You have to fight like hell from beginning to end for these guys. What kind of job did Brandon Hall do if they're able to land Peyton Bowen? I mean, what kind of feather uh, is in his cap in, having, in being able to actually complete this if they, if they are able to get his uh, signature? I mean, guys like... He and Jay Valai, I, you know, I, I'm working on some some content for tomorrow, some of the, you know, big picture type stuff that we always do. And I keep going over. I'm like, God, they had their hand in a lot of guys. But you, oh, that sounds weird. Uh, they, 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 they helped land a lot of quality players in this class. And, you know, I, I think, you know, guys, as we look back, you know, basically a year, it was about a year ago when this staff really started coming together. And you look at it, I think Brandon Hall would have been one of the guys, not so much that people didn't like, but they just didn't know him. Like, who is this guy? Is he good enough to be at OU? Does he have the track record? Blah, blah, blah. And I think, especially Kerry and myself, knowing Hall from back when he was, you know, GAing under Brent, like you knew this was a guy that Brent was probably going to bring back to Oklahoma. So uh, I, I, I think it's a huge, you know, a huge indicator of what he can do. And he worked hard. And that's not to say that he didn't have help. There were a lot of cooks in the kitchen helping land Peyton Bowen. I mean, that, and that's the way that goes. Again, for elite guys, it's usually not just one coach. It's, it's everybody kind of, uh, you know, to use the old OU baseball, everybody pulling on the same rope kind of thing. But at the same time, um, I think when you mix landing guys like Peyton Bowen, and I watching Macari Vickers' senior tape, and you know Jay Valai had a big hand there as well. But that's, I mean, that's a potentially really good safety duo if that's what it ends up looking like. And then you throw in all the other guys. Eric McCarty was a big Brandon Hall guy, and I know that's not a you know a shocking win for OU, but clearly a guy that OU has high hopes for. Um, you mix that with the development of Billy Bowman this year. Looked like he really improved as a player. Save the Texas Tech game. I know everybody would kind of remembers the last thing they saw, but you know Key Lawrence looked better at times, and I I I think there's a chance that Brandon Hall, while kind of unknown when he came in, is showing signs of being one of the better assistants on this staff. All right, let's reset um, another guy that we've mentioned his name, uh, Tassilia Akana. Um, his situation is he a guy that will sign tomorrow, or is this another extension? Uh, no, I, I expect him to sign tomorrow. Um, I have talked about it before. Now, I have said that Cecilia Kana is actually a kid from Hawaii. He plays in Utah, and that's where everybody knows him from. He moved to Utah during COVID. They weren't playing football in Hawaii. They weren't playing football in California. He basically moved as, you know, as far to his east to everyone else's west 
as he could uh, to find football. And so he went and played at Sky Ridge and Lehigh and is a guy that um, is now back home in Hawaii with his family and going to sign tomorrow. Now, obviously, with the time change and not being able to sign until, you know, your local standard time, he is, you know, he's going to be a little later in the day before anybody knows. But I've been told repeatedly he is expected to sign. I still think it's going to be Oklahoma. But, I mean, with Peyton Bowen, there's a lot of indicators. He's not said it. I'm not saying I know anything definitively. But there is plenty to tell you that it's Oklahoma. With Cecilia Kana, it's a lot of connecting the dots. Like, okay, this, this, and this makes sense. You hear, you know, a thing or two here or there, you know, that it's kind of, you know, a secondary source kind of thing. But I don't know. He he is going to be very interesting. I uh, visited Louisville and Colorado over the weekend. I know people are kind of like, oh, that's a, you know, Dion, something like that. Cecilia Kana, I, I just struggle to believe he's going to be a guy that is going to totally turn everything over because he made a 12-hour visit in Boulder, Colorado. Like, I, I, I just don't believe that based on everything I know about the kid, and especially if the choice is Colorado or Oklahoma. Brent Venables, who he's had a relationship with for over 12 months, is known for a long time. I, I just struggle to believe that. Now, if you told me Texas snuck up, I could believe that part. They've been in there. They have the family connection with the sister on the volleyball team. Like, there's reason to buy that. But I, I just do not buy um, that, that Louisville or Colorado is going to snake in at this point in the game. Uh, outside of that, I know uh, we've been talking a little bit uh, in, the, in the war room about, uh, uh, sadly, uh, I, well, one, there were two Coffeeville guys, right? Was uh, no, just, just one, one. The yeah. big offensive lineman. Yeah, Keyshawn Blackstock. Okay, so yeah. Um, do I need to get involved here as a former Red Raven? <laughs> uh, I don't know how big of a how big of a bag do you have? It's not very big. Well, <laughs> it might might not be working out here. Josh, what's what what? So you don't expect anything coming from him tomorrow? No, talking to some people, um, I, I think there is going to be a little, I, I don't think there's a real connection between what he wants for his recruitment and what Oklahoma is focused on. Um, I, I just, I just think they're a little different priorities. Um, and I just think, you know, that that's probably not going to be a fit from, from everything I've heard over the last, oh, 12 hours or so. Josh, since Bob wasn't there, are are you at all surprised that everything's coming down to Wednesday? I am. Honestly, like, yeah, like, I, you I, know, instead of like Nick Evers went Monday, Kobe McKenzie went to like usually Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, there's a lot more stuff happening. And I guess there has been nationwide, just not when it comes to the Sooners. Yeah. It, it, it is interesting. Now, I will say in, you know, last year for a comparison, there were so many more moving parts in play. Um, so, you know, you have to acknowledge that part of it. But you're right. I, I, I mean, I kind of thought Marcus Strong would go Sunday, Monday, something like that. And, Bob, we've already talked about David Hicks a little bit. But 
I almost said this earlier. I'll just say it now. You want to get real conspiratorial. Hell yes. What if they are not pushing for Marcus Strong because they believe they have a chance at David Hicks? Like, I, that's the only thing I can think of. No, because no they chance. Need a, they they no, need defensive linemen. No chance they would take both? Right. I wouldn't rule it out, and I, I wouldn't blame them for doing so. I, I think, I, again, now I will say, you know, obviously I've never seen Marcus Strong in person. I spoke to someone who was around him over the weekend. He is, I, I, I was told he's a good-looking kid, not a great-looking kid, was kind of the way it was described to me. So maybe, but I mean, I know Todd Bates had been to see him. Like, I, I know that had happened by now, so I don't, I don't think the – feeling would have changed or anything like that. I don't think that would have, have really been a, a big issue or anything like that, but it does make me wonder because I can't think of another reason why he isn't already in the boat. Sure. Like I, I, I it doesn't, I mean, again, there could be multiple reasons why Oklahoma is, is kind of cool on him or is trying to kind of wait him out a little bit, but well, it's best offers Georgia of tech right? from his side. Best yeah, offers Georgia I mean, like, tech with, you know, Florida International, Atlantic, Georgia Southern. So it's not like mm -hmm. it's not like you can't slow play this guy a little bit if you wanted to. And that's that's. I mean, again, I'm I am very much connecting some wild dots there, but it's an interesting <laughs> theory. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, and uh, you know, who again, kid like that, I I'm taking him. And I'm going to see what happens and see what comes out of it. And if we get, you know, if OU gets David Hicks as well, great, fine, wonderful. But boy, I'm I'm not risking a guy that I was that I thought was good enough to offer for a guy that we all know is probably going to have two or three more plot twists before Friday. Well, as you've heard, Bob uh, Prisbillo has joined us mid podcast, and Bob, we've we've gone over most everything. I think, yeah, right. Um, I think you know the one thing. Uh, that we haven't really talked about is this class that Josh, this class that's secure tomorrow, that's going to be announced. Uh, any concerns at all about anyone of those 23? And also of those 23, who are a couple of guys that really should be celebrated like they were down to the wire gets that, that are just huge, huge pickups for, for Brent Venables? I don't have a lot of red flags here. I, I wondered about Lewis Carter a little bit when Hugh Freeze was hired at Auburn. I wondered if maybe they would make a run at him. I haven't heard much along those lines. Um, Caleb Hicks was one that a lot of people were kind of wondering about, uh, being a Dallas area guy that had some connection to prime. And you wondered if that would be an issue uh, with he in Colorado, but He's come out and said several times, no, I'm solid, I'm good, I'm you know, going to sign with Oklahoma on Wednesday. So I, I think that's pretty set. I, I really don't see anybody. You know, Keon Brown was kind of the same deal, like Tallahassee kid. You wondered if, if, if Dion would make a run at him, but he's already had a ceremony at his school where, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't see anything that sends up any real red flags for me. Um, as far as guys that... You know, you know, people were making runs at. Uh, it's not going to surprise anybody. PJ Adabare, like, I mean, that's a guy that a lot of schools have kind of tried to keep knocking on the door and try to get involved with. And you know, with um, some of the talk today with uh, the the Demon Wilson kid 
being ball, uh, crystal balled, you know, I think by Steve Wiltfong to Georgia, Ohio State loses out on one of their big time guys they were really wanting. And there was rumors a month ago that Ohio State was going to get involved there. And they said, oh, no, they're going to focus on their guys. Uh, boy, that's a backfire, in my opinion, because, I mean, again, I think PJ Adabari is a five star talent. And if, if you, you know, there, there's not many guys you could take that I would rather have than him. So, I thought that was kind of interesting. And I want to highlight somebody just because, like I said earlier, I'm going over some film and some different stuff for uh, some of the articles I'm working on for tomorrow. Logan Howland, holy cow, his senior tape looks really good. Like, I mean, that is a 6'7", 280-pound guy that looks amazing moving around. Like, I mean, that as I look at that tape, I'm like, that is a – top 100 offensive linemen. Like, I mean, th that that's what it looks like when I'm looking at it. And we're going to have to look at his ranking, see if we, you know, we can get something done there. But he looks outstanding and looks like a huge deal. And it makes sense. I mean, again, I've talked about it before. His finalists were Michigan, Iowa, and Miami. I mean, three school, you know, Mi Michigan and Iowa, obviously their credentials as offensive line producers are are there. I mean, Michigan's two-time Joe Moore winners. Iowa is what Iowa is. And Miami's got Mario Cristobal, a guy who knows what he's looking at, an offensive lineman. And I, I again, I, I thought he had potential. I didn't think he'd show it this fast. I, I was pretty impressed with what he put on tape his senior year. Well, and obviously, you know, Jackson Arnold is probably the most well-known person in this class. There's no, you know, real... I, it's just nice that we finally, you know, have all the star rankings out there. We don't have to listen to, you know, every we don't not listen, but don't have to read every comment when uh, Rivals puts out a four star Jackson Arnold and he's a five star. That got annoying. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you get Jackson Arnold in here, and then you kind of you allow yourself to daydream a little bit about what happens at the quarterback position next year, and you know, is he a guy that? You know, I'm sure that's something Dylan Gabriel, you know, get a full kind of plan from the coaching staff. Like if they want to get him in games and things like that, that, that he would sign off on in order to come back to Oklahoma next year. Which doesn't mean that, yeah, I, anyway. I, I'm thinking of all the fighting that's going to start now. Like Dylan Gabriel shouldn't have a say in who plays doesn't play. You heard it here first, people. Kerry Murdoch stirring up shit. It, that's what he's doing. It's all in and up on the law. His whole, I have to. Your you whole keep contribution doing, is pod. You keep doing other people's podcasts, so somebody's got to stir up the <laughs> shit. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're, you're, uh, By the you way, know, I, I, I told you I'm going to. I gave Eric, uh, Eric, Eric Bailey a ride back to uh, the office yesterday. And he told me about how amazing the performance was on their story with you and the Tulsa world and how many hits they were getting. And all I could think about was... Do we get any of that money? No, we're going to just oh, rewrite we it and then clickbait it. 
Is, you, is anyone aggregated that yeah, story? Yeah, isn't that how journalism oh works God, nowadays? We'll just aggregate it. Network what did Josh it. say to the Tulsa world? Sooners I thought keep, that's what you do. <laughs> oh, you recruiting expert talks. Don't pay attention to who he works for. Well, when you can't, you can't get a quote from uh, you know somebody talking about a player committing to Texas State that transferred out of the program, I, you might as well aggregate a uh, recruiting story or something. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, I mean, I know you haven't been here the whole time, Bob. Was there anything that you wanted to uh, to bring up about uh, tomorrow's signing day? And, and we can get your thoughts on what you saw at practice as well as we get I, out of here. I think it would be amazing if Brent opens the press conference saying Peyton Bone is signed. Oh, that would be elite. That'd be great if they just like, saved it for that. Yep, you just save it for the press conference. It'd be like a ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Yes. That would be amazing. To then the I, much I want smaller that to happen extent, if, if you remember, Eddie, <laughs> the Doc Sadler release came out two minutes before Porter hit the podium mm-hmm. so we could talk about it. If you do, uh, say Brent's talking at 10, 1030, at 1028, you say Peyton Bone is in the class. Boom. That would be amazing. I don't know if it can be. I don't know. I feel like. I feel like in a way, like if Notre Dame doesn't get the signature, it's going to be a telltale sign. Like if they're done by 1015 or something. I, I don't know. I guess I'm just looking. Yeah, for I guess the only would be is if Marcus Freeman says, hey, we're done. Yeah, because if Akana picks OU and he's in Hawaii and we know it's going to it most likely will be later than Brent's press conference. Well, Brent's not going to say, you know, we're over and done with. So if Marcus Freeman, there's any bitter feelings if it's not the Irish, he says, yeah, we are done. I, don't, I, can, I can tell I you don't from, get the feeling Marcus Freeman, that type of guy, though. Like, I don't well, think he would take shots at somebody. Well, that's, I mean, I think the thing about Bowen being so low-key about all this and just signing, like, they're going to, I don't think he's going to care if somebody announces that he's a part of the class or, like, Let's face it, we're going to be glued to Notre Dame's signing day updates, just like we will OU's uh, tomorrow, just to see when his name shows up, who it shows up for. And you know, OU always does a really good job of that. Uh, it, they get up very early, and they start putting those things up about 6, 7 a.m. Eddie and I will both be massively distracted from our radio jobs in the morning. I'm usually checked out. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. We're so close to Christmas, we can just mail it in the rest of the week. Nobody cares. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, nobody yeah. cares. Absolutely. We're not, we're not getting a performance evaluation this week. Yeah, for those who I don't... I listen who, if I got who, it. For, who forget this about signing? It's 7 a.m. local time, whatever your local time is. Yep. Yeah, and OU's usually there updating right at 7 a.m., so... It's, it's, it's kind it of crazy. It always pisses me off that OSU doesn't update until, like, 9 a.m. It is kind of crazy nowadays, too, that, you know, depending on how things go and, you know, depending on where all your guys are... Especially if they're on the East Coast. Right. Like exactly. it could be over by nine fifteen in the morning. And then you're just kind of left sitting there like, Well, that's that. Cool. <laughs> and that's kind of what signing day has turned into. No, it is. I mean, there used to be a day here we're here on Campus Corner. I'd be over at like Balfour's and we'd have like signs to hang every time somebody came really? in. Yeah. And it was like he put another name on the board. Yeah. And I, I was doing a radio show and Vanna White at the same time, like putting names up on a board. It's just not that way anymore. <laughs> Thank God. I like it this way better. Still my favorite signing day is Kel Gundy getting mad at me because the Ryan Broyles year. 
because I put a photo of him and Mike yelling at each other on the front page. Well, they take it down immediately. I did. Bitch. I didn't say that. <laughs> All right. You can take that phone call. Be uh, more than happy to. Okay, so. I'm Josh, not calling him a bitch. That's not, I said you're a bitch for taking it down. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie can get away with certain things now. We can't talk about it yet, but. Uh, Just kidding. Anyway, Josh, any, any last thoughts on signing day? And then we'll kind of get to Bob's reactions from watching practice yesterday before we get out. No, uh, again, I, I think, you know, obviously everybody's going to watch Akana and watch Bowen. And then I, whatever's going to happen with Marcus Strong, I, uh, again, I, I think that could be interesting. We'll, we'll see what comes from that. Um, but with that exception, I, I expect a pretty straightforward day for Oklahoma fans. They don't have to, you know, last year there was some angst. There were some things going on, you know, as, as they closed, you know, guys that, they thought might they might lose that kind of stuff, and a couple they did, Xavier Bryce among them. But there is at least a chance here, you know, to to close strong. And again, you add a Connor and Bowen, I don't even think it's a question. But I think even without those guys, this is probably Oklahoma's best defensive line or defensive class since 2008, probably. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is it is a. It's a really good group. Now, again, that 2008 group didn't pan out all the way in, in, in a lot of the ways they would have wanted, but there is, there's absolutely, um, you know, th- this has a chance to be a very good group and a good foundational class for Brent Venables. Not only are you, you know, obviously the guys within the class, the two that we probably, you know, I guess in a way he's not technically part of the class with Zahn coming in from uh, Indiana and the transfer portal and then maybe whatever happens with Trace Ford, but... Kendall Dolby moves into the top 10 of uh, the Juco rankings today as well. Like, I, I think that's one of the guys that I don't know if I necessarily have overlooked him, but probably didn't realize at the time when they got him, like exactly who he is. Oh, I, I, I talked him up on Sunday and on another podcast that Carrie was excited. I did. So <laughs> it's uh, not, look, the only reason that I know how far Hawaii <laughs> is behind America. Well, they're in America. Uh, uh, the re- the mainland, I should say, uh, is because that guy Gabe has a you know his family has a place in Hawaii and I always have he's always there in the off season and so I know like he doesn't wake up until this hour. Or that now hour. we did trade Josh. We haven't told them yet, but we did trade Josh. Your appearance, we get one week of the timeshare, so we'll be going out to. Yeah. Uh, do we want Napa <laughs> or do we want that, Maui? That, we we've talked about doing a scoop gathering. Maui. That, that's what I thought. Yeah, Gabe, okay, that you know Napa, fair trade. Though. I'd definitely go to Napa. Napa or Naples? Napa. Like Napa Valley? Uh, Valley? Yeah. Like wine tour? Yes. I think I'd maybe rather go on the wine tour than go to Hawaii. I don't know. I don't think we'd Hawaii's be allowed. I don't think we'd be allowed in, in Maui, actually. I think Napa's more my speed. <laughs> I don't know what your speed is. I don't either. But <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how you look at yourself and say, yeah, I'm a Napa guy. Because look at me. I'm a like Napa South guy. Beach in the <laughs> 80s is Eddie's speed. Where? Eddie's, I, I always felt like your your uh, wheelhouse was like Scottsdale, you know, driving around with a bag of cocaine in the in the. Well, that, I mean, box. that's Napa. Yeah. It's just farther north. <laughs> you mean west. Uh, northwest. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, 
So, Bob, you got to go out to practice. Eddie and I had our crack at it. Uh, we're not saying, like, you know, put your mortgage on Florida State, but it was a, it was a, it was striking at, at the lack of depth and bodies at practice yesterday. It was striking in that regard, and it was also sort of like a lot of the questions, and this is from my end, too. It wasn't about Florida State. I, I, mean, I mean, you just look at this on paper, and after watching practice, it's like, it's more about building toward 2023, and that's either veterans like Dylan Gabriel and Marvin Mims, Isaiah Coe, saying what they're doing, or getting a feel of what the young guys who are going to get a chance here in the next couple of weeks kind of make their case for why they should be a much bigger part of 2023, like a Jaden Gibson, like a Gavin Sawchuk. So it's, it's sort of a weird dynamic because I almost don't care about even asking about the game as much as you're just trying to put the pieces together so what the foundation of what the 2023 team could possibly look like as we head into the new year. I did think we had a lovely conversation with uh, Grayson Halton afterwards. Yeah, he was good. To talk I thought he was to really him. good. Yeah, he, thought, he's going to be one of those guys that's like, if you can just continue to develop him, he seems like he's somebody that could be a leader at the end of the day. And, 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 and something he didn't talk about, but Isaiah Coe did. He gave Grayson a lot of credit for being able to start as start the season at tackle and then be forced to move to a defensive end because of all the depth issues and the injuries that the end spot had and then move back to tackle for like the last couple of weeks of the season and just sort of, you know, taking that all in as a true, true freshman. You don't even have the tackle spot down and now you're being asked to move to end and then you're, you're trying to learn that and then you're shifted back to tackle so Coe was just very you know, appreciative of the work and, you know, the determination that Halton had shown the entire season as he was bouncing back and forth. And he's very excited to sort of see what he can do now that he's at more natural position and he's been in it for like the last month straight. Rocky Boyman is doing the uh, famous Idaho potato bowl. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, when he was playing, he was playing at Tennessee when Rocky Kalmus and Andre Wolfolk and Jason White were there. Remains to this day the largest human being I've ever seen. Really? I mean, he huh. was massive. Like, he he made Rocky Kalmus look like a little kid. I don't think I realized that he played at Tennessee. To played for the Titans, yeah. He was really good for him. So, Probably have his autograph somewhere. Rocky Boyman's? Yeah, because I, I got, like, that entire Wait, Titans team. My uncle lived in Nashville, uh-huh. and we would always get, like, Titans gear. They're like season ticket holders, so I we always got like I'm sure that if he was on Rocky Kalmus's team, yeah, with him and Wolfo, mm-hmm. yeah, I bet I have it somewhere. Just a little uh, random pod factoid for you. Uh, okay, uh, so signing day, real quick, Bob, and then a pretty big basketball game. Yeah, I mean, kind of their last chance to really make a dent before we head head into conference play. And they've been so, so close with a, with a couple of these. And it's not like Florida is a top 25 team, but you need something better than Ole Miss and Seton Hall as your non-conference. And you're still going to have Bama going down the road. And we don't know if Bama will be the top five team that they are right, you know, at this moment. But you need to hang your hat on some sort of nice non-conference victory neutral site like charlotte you know that it's not great but it's better than what the sooners have have had at 
at this point. And the way the offense has played the last couple couple games, it'll be nice if they can carry that over to this evening too. And that's an eight thirty start. Eight thirty. Uh, so I, you know, I I haven't heard a word if there even is a Zoom call. But I don't know if I'm going to stay up for like a Zoom call with Moser at 11:30 at night when you got to get up for signing day the the very next morning. Well, I'll be up at five for a radio show. Yeah, I'll be up at six. That's your excuse, Bob. Yeah. No, I'm saying, are you going to stay? Up, would you stay up for a Zoom call with Porter Moser at 11:30 at night? Just to save Carrie time from uh, having to edit this. F no. <laughs> <laughs> I think we knew that answer though. Yeah, I think I'll be asleep. I think Florida's favored by three and a half tonight. It, it's yes. one of those, like, and yep. Porter talked about it on Saturday after the game uh, when we were there, Bob, just as far as, like, the next 22 games, basically every game on the schedule from here on out with the two non-conference games being against Alabama and Florida, you're going to have an opportunity for either a really good quad one win or a really solid quad two win. Yep, and so it's... You just got to take care of business in uh, in conference. You you want it just to have a little something else to point toward because people say, well, they just did it in conference. When they left the Big 12, they couldn't get a thing done. Sure. So that's why it would be nice to get a win against the uh, Gators. But if if you can hold serve, you know, as we always say, with home court against starting New Year's Eve against Texas, if you can do that, you know, you can beat maybe two out of three of Baylor, Kansas, Texas at home, that stuff's going to carry a lot of weight. And yeah, they'll have a heck of a lot of chances to try to play themselves into the tournament. Heck of a lot of chances to get down, down in the dumps. If things aren't going right for you be very much, I think in the vein of last year, where it's going to be these peaks and valleys, you know, just roller coaster. You don't know what you're going to get from game to game, but you know, they've got opportunities galore to try to write their resume during the next two months. It'll be interesting to see what more they can get or, or even if they will be able to build off of, you know, what they got out of uh, Otegua on Saturday as well as C.J. Nolan. Otega, C.J. played their best games of the season, coming off, you know, a day where Porter said, one of these guys is busting on through. One of them's going to start playing a lot better than what they've been as we get into conference season. It was Otega. CJ on Saturday, maybe it'd be Joe Bamisil tonight. You would love if it's all three in the same game. I don't know if that's ever really going to be possible, but you know, Arkansas should have taught them that they need a lot more players playing at an elite level. Saw signs of that, glimpses of that when it was needed early on last Saturday. Tonight, that would be a great showcase to say we un- we get the message that the Hogs sent us. Now we're ready to answer the call and start playing at a really high level. Got the A team on the broadcast too tonight. John Shambi and Jay Billis. Ooh. Nice, very nice. It should be pretty good. Be a little, a uh, uh, little bit of a maybe a national chance chance for a national breakout for uh, uh, Mister. Uh, uh, what am I saying? Sherfield. Grant Sherfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for yeah. Sherfield. Well, Grant I mean, you know, if you weren't at Wichita State. Nevada, you might not know who Grant Sherfield is. So yeah, on eight, you know, late start ESPN two. This might be a great time for him to bust on out. All right, uh, we will be back on Thursday for another unofficial forty podcast. Um, want to? Uh, we'll, we'll give you all the holiday wishes and all that stuff then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eastern Michigan <laughs> struggling defensively. Well, that was an easy. Unless touchdown. that gets called back. Uh, 
Well, this isn't the Rams though. and the. Well, no, there is a flag. Offsides. Offsides. Oh, offsides. This isn't the Rams and the the Packers. That game was tough to watch last night with all the penalties. I watched more of the Thunder game than I. Did that the offensive NFL game. line for the Rams is not good. Boy. Not great. Uh, they lost their center in the second play of the game, so that uh, that pretty much doomed them. Uh, but no, uh, Thursday we'll be back for a post signing day pod to kind of wrap things up. Uh, real quick, Josh, uh, Mason Cobb goes to USC. Where does that make you land on the Trace Ford front? I I do think it's down to Oklahoma and USC. That is my yeah. expectation. I won't say that for uh, you know Trace and I have talked a little bit since he got back from Los Angeles. Um, and he's he's not, a transfer, so he, there's no decision coming from him tomorrow. It's just still yeah to be does, decided. He doesn't have to decide. My he can't doesn't have to. Yes, he can do it. He could be doing it right now. He could be typing it out as we speak. Um, you know, in the notes app, of course. That's that's the only way you do these things. Um, but no, my my guess is that by this time next week we'll know what he's doing. I don't think he's got a lot more he wants to process. I think he wanted he had a pretty good idea of the schools he wanted to look at. Um, definitely think USC impressed him, surprised him. He, I, I reported kind of yesterday that I, I kind of thought they were out, and then I talked to him a little bit more, and I thought, okay, you know, I've read this wrong. So um, it's just, to me, I think in a lot of ways Oklahoma makes the most sense to him. I don't know if he can play his all. You know, it kind of reminds me of last year talking to Aishim Young, and he was like, yeah, I really like Oklahoma, but I could never play against my teammates. And I was like, okay, that that makes sense. And I kind of yep. wonder if that's a factor here, uh, if that's going to be more than can be overcome. You know, as we're just wrapping this up, I just saw that uh, OU Basketball tweeted out that Grant Sherfield will be on the 94-feet walk with Jay Billiston. Oh, very nice. During the game, that the little feature that they do. Okay. Uh, that'll be cool. Uh, by the way, I want to thank everybody who took part in our 20% off of the SoonerScoopStore.com. Uh, Eddie was up here uh, just getting that stuff out, so it's all out. Hopefully it gets to you by Christmas. Uh, USPS, they made the 17th the last day that they could officially uh, guarantee delivery for Christmas, but uh, outside of one of my buddies out in L.A. or in San Francisco, I think most of well, there was a New York, uh, New York one, but a lot of that stuff was local, so you should be getting it all before Christmas if you're worried about that, but yeah, the the 20% off sale has ended, and uh, we can't guarantee anything by Christmas. Uh, so uh, I will say this. We're getting ready to start a pretty big construction project here in the offices to shore up some things in our studio so we can hang things from the ceiling. And uh, it would be a good time, even though you might not want it for Christmas. Once we start clearing out rooms and stuff, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to get things shipped out on a daily basis. So, uh and that's going to start right after Christmas. So uh, if you want to get some gear from the Sooner Scoop store, it would be a really good time to order it and not wait until after Christmas because we'll probably be backed up a little bit once that starts. But really appreciate all your support always. Uh, and uh, we'll start, Eddie and I will sit down. We'll, we'll start talking about some new merch because I think it's time to refresh it a little bit as well. Uh, and uh, we've got some really fun ideas with Eddie stuff coming up too. So. Yeah, like Lincoln Riley's head in a guillotine. <laughs> I don't like that idea. Oh, I thought that's one of the ones that we had approved. No, we had not approved that one. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so anyway, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back again on Thursday. Uh, thanks to all the guys, uh, Eddie, Josh, Bob. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm Kerry Murdoch. We'll see you back again on Thursday for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast right here from Soonerscoop.com.